Hello and welcome to Canada and Sound of Play 88. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favorite pieces from the mini video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. Join me, Ryan Heyman, in Sound of Play. 88 is a an entire, well, 
Now, I don't want to say the entire band because based on the different websites and and stuff, it looks like there are a fair number of people that contribute to the project. Not all of them are represented here, but uh, I I think we'll we'll get into what roles you all play. Um, But we have three members of a band called Codename Trigger Thumb. This is Joseph Tikaz. Hello. uh, Who I have parentheses uh, judgment. Is that a nickname or like the role that you play in the uh, yes actually each person plays a character within the story we created around the band mm. uh, and my character's Very name cool. is judgment okay cool we have angela tkaz aka the lover yes uh, actually our names were taken from tarot cards uh originally oh yes so <laughs> i guess that makes sense yeah um so there was more of us at different points mm. but uh just to make a quick correction this actually is the whole band at this point <laughs> there is only the three of them. Mm. well we do have other people Excellent. who contribute. we have some contributors yes but as, as far as well really main members it's me and angela yeah i know that goes people cycling in and out for uh um parts here and there so let's see if they're all named after tarot cards you can accommodate up to i wish i knew my tarot decks better it's, uh anyways uh let's uh and one final member here we have zio chan hey how are you do you have a tarot nickname? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Zio is what I go by. <laughs> we can come up with one now. <laughs> <laughs> right on the spot. You'd be the hanged man. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> hanged like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the track that we heard on the way in is one of your band's um, one of your band's songs. This comes from the new album, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? That's correct. Cool. Uh, you have. Uh, one album before this, and then one album that is upcoming. Yes, the release date this Easter, April sixteenth. Easter does change every year, so it's good to to give the uh, that numerical date as well. So the the band, I don't know exactly how to describe it. I got a a real um, whirlwind of influences. There's there's parts that feel very symphonic. There are parts that feel kind of like progressive rock. Uh, there are parts that feel a little metal-ish. Uh, how would you describe yourselves, your band? <laughs> oh, well, I guess I'll go first. It's kind of a fusion. Well, the original idea behind Codename Trigger Thumb was to pick beautiful VGM songs and use the mm. piano as the basis for everything. So every song is actually started on the piano, which Angela plays. Mm. Uh, and we build various instruments around that so we'll add guitar uh bass and then we'll add other things like with zeo on board this time we added strings and different things like that so Mm. it's kind of a whirlwind like you described but overall i would say it's sort of based around a rock opera feel yeah that's something that i was curious about as well most of the tracks at least the ones that i've heard are instrumental there's occasionally some uh, spoken parts and stuff like that but uh, largely instrumental but there does seem to be a very elaborate um, concept behind both albums so far uh, now i i don't want to uh put you on the spot or, or really throw you into the deep end because i know how these rock concepts get and they can go on for you know years and years but uh, would you like to briefly summarize the, <laughs> the the concept to kind of give our listeners some context for what they're going to be hearing sure so act one was actually stand tall and shake the heavens that was our first album we released i believe it was back in 2013 now in september it's been a while uh yeah it's been a long time <laughs> uh and it all just started from me tapping into my own mind and coming up with different things. I've always been a fan of video games and sci-fi, so I fused the two together. And one of our bigger influences is actually the game Xenogears, which is my personal favorite game. I think we'll 
get into that later when we have a track coming up. Mm, yeah. Um, so I created this character code who uh, would basically hold every game song within her. And I wanted to design a story around that and how important game music was to me is a reflection of the story. Uh, so code has the task of protecting every song in game music. And our second album here is actually a prequel to that where we meet her mother, uh, the composer, the original uh, character, which had all of the game music and passed it on to her. So it's a little bit confusing in that regard because Act 2 is really <laughs> Act 1, but Act 1 came out first. Okay. Just go with it. <laughs> so this is a, kind of a future thing. I get some notes of kind of oppressive government situations and, uh, you know, the, the typical kind of dystopian future type stuff. Uh, it all seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's basically all a fusion of my own crazy interests and things that I love. <laughs> like I combine video games. I really enjoy politics and I'm always fascinated by religion. So it's kind of a combination hmm. of those different things. So that uh, track that we heard coming into the show and that is called New World and it has... Um, has some familiar kind of Resident Evil-y elements, although I wouldn't call it a direct cover. Is that a fair way to describe it? I think so. I think uh, what we did was we took some of the melodies from two different songs here. Uh, the first one that we use is Saved Room from, this is a very strange uh, story behind this game, soundtrack, Resident Evil Director's Cut. Uh, of course, they could never uh, identify who actually did the soundtrack. Huh. <laughs> there, there was a great mystery behind this Uh the wrong composer. How do you think somebody would remember? Yes, well, the wrong composer was taking credit for it. They found out it was a mystery composer the whole time. Oh, uh, so this so is like a ghostwriter. Yes, it was a yeah, ghostwriter. Ghost yeah, it's like um, a. Now, was this something that like somebody was kind of opportunistic and they saw nobody's name on it and they decided to sign their own name, or was this like a Milli Vanilli situation <laughs> where they were being intentionally deceptive? It was actually intentionally deceptive. There's a lot of articles about this huh. on the internet. It was quite a big deal, actually. <laughs> the wrong composer took credit for it, and he knew about that whole situation, too. It was a big deal to, like, wow. five people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we used that first theme anyways, and unfortunately it was one of those situations where we didn't know who to credit. But that hmm. was the one Angela happened to like. We listened to all the different save themes from all the different Resident Evils, and she's like, I think we could do something creative with this because it's so simple. Uh, mm. And then we fused it because I came up with the idea to kind of blend different save room themes together. We used... Uh, Maybe a more popular one of Resident Evil 2. Uh, that one was composed by Masami Ueda, uh, along with, I'm going to probably butcher this, Shusaku Uchiyama and Sion Nishigaki. Um, and we kind of combined the two together, and the thing we do in Codename is we always add our own original section. So you'll hear, mm -hmm. we label it ABC, sometimes to simplify parts in music. Uh, so this, this, this is going to sound funny, the C section <laughs> is <laughs> is the original part in the song. Do you kind of have a history with the Resident Evil series or is it just the music that is something that you've absorbed over time? You know, I'm personally a huge fan of it. I've been playing it since it originally launched. I believe the first one came out in 97 or 98. Uh, that sounds about right. And I was a huge survival horror fan ever since that moment. It was actually alone in the dark before that, but my first entry was... Uh, mm. Resident Evil that really got me into survival horror. So I'm a huge fan, but I can't speak for the other two. Maybe they would like to. Yeah, I, I got to say, so I've, I've never, I've never actually played Resident Evil. Um, it, it was just not a game that I really, um, you know, got into. Um, but 
in in terms of you know taking on this project and this song, it, it's one of those things where um, I, I never had listened to the soundtrack, and we I made it intentional that uh, I didn't listen to this song beforehand, just so I can. Uh, get as much originality out, uh, out of it um, as much as, we, mm, yeah. as much as we could. Now we did, <laughs> Joe. If you remember, we had some uh, some a rough start with this one because of the save. Um, the way the the track was um, organized, there were some unusual time signatures with this one, and uh, we we weren't sure how to go about it in in the song. We actually had. Uh, I believe the three or four of us listened to it uh, quite a few times just to understand how the song is structured before we mm-hmm. decided how how to sort of make it our own and, and flow it well. <laughs> yeah, what did we decide the time signature was? Um, was it the second half of the song that we had a problem with? No, did the time signature confusion come from having to fuse those two tracks together or were, were the original tracks more kind of complexly organized like that? I think it was a combination of both. Yeah, they were deceptively mm. simple when we listened to them. <laughs> and then we realized the error. The first track um, of the two uh, didn't have uh, didn't have any percussion in it. Um, so it, mm. it was sort of a struggle to listen uh, when the next chord change was. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. and and it was very different. I think it was like a mixed beater type of thing. So it was very hard. Uh, I actually had to ask uh, m- my wife, who uh, has three degrees in music, to listen to it quite mm-hmm. just maybe three times over before she locked in what exactly should be. So I don't feel so bad. <laughs> Now, we're going to go into more of the history of the band and some of your own personal histories as far as games and music and stuff. But uh, right now, you've you've already gone into a little bit about your influence, uh, a lot of it coming from Xenogears. And so I thought this would be a nice segue into a Xenogears song that you're bringing us. Do you want to give us a little bit about like what is it about Xenogears in particular that has inspired you over the years? So Xenogears is just a fusion of everything I'm interested in. You know, I love video games. <laughs> I love Japanese role-playing games. That's my favorite genre to play. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar, Ryan, with Xenogears too much, but it deals heavily in religion. And it was very touchy here in the USA when it came out because uh, a lot of the topics discussed in it are very controversial. There was a lot of editing done to it. And I was always fascinated by this game too because it was never really finished. Um, if you look at the second disc of this game, it's told through storyboards a lot. So you mm-hmm. never get the full story. And I was always fascinated about that. Now, did you ever play any of the, I don't know if they have fan translations or anything that would have preserved some of the content that was cut in the translation? Oh, well, I believe you can play the Japanese version of the game and that content's there. And I'm not sure if they did fan translation, but no, I've only ever played the North American version. Cool. So the music in particular, that is by Yasunori Mitsuda, um, did the soundtrack uh, kind of stick with you over the years? Well, this is easily my favorite soundtrack, not even just in games. It's one of my favorite soundtracks ever in anything. Hmm. Um, it, it's absolutely stunning. Yasunori Mitsuda, of course, did Chrono Trigger, which he famously got quite sick doing and had to have help from Uematsu to hmm. finish. Uh, and then Chrono Cross, which is another fantastic JRPG and soundtrack, but... Easily for me, his best work is here in Xeno Gears. And you'll hear it in this beautiful track, uh, Gathering Stars in the Night Sky. If you could contextualize this one song and kind of give our audience something to keep in their minds while they listen to it, how would they best prepare themselves for the musical uh, journey they're about to take? You know what? Just take your 
boyfriend or girlfriend or what have you, cat, up, cat whoever is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go on the roof and just look. It's one of those dreary, starry songs that you just need to look up mm. at the sky and relax and just appreciate the things you love. All right, this is Gathering Stars in the Night Sky from Xenogears. Lovely Xenogears music there. Coming back, we have Codename Trigger Thumb. Uh, I do have a question about <laughs> that name. The uh, Trigger Thumb, it, you don't typically use your thumb to pull a trigger. Is there some sort of a uh, some sort of an illusion or something that I'm missing there? Yeah, no, actually, there's a story behind this. When I was uh, first starting up a concept for a band, I was working this really bad factory job just to do whatever I mm-hmm. could to get by at the time. Uh, where we basically made water filters. It's probably the most boring thing you could imagine. And one of the conditions you could develop from the repetition of the job was called trigger thumb. It was a condition where if you kept doing the same motion over and over again, 
it would cause your thumb to literally lock in place and you wouldn't be able to un- mm. unlock it. And I just was so, f- I don't know. It just stuck <laughs> with me, trigger thumb, that name. And then code name, I always like just combined sci-fi with that for some reason. And I, that's how it came together. Mm. And with the uh, code, the character name in there as well, did, uh, did one precede the other? I, well, no, it was the title first, actually, and then I just kind of pulled the okay. name Code from Codename. Yeah, Trigger Thumb, that, that sounds kind of scary. It's like a, like Lockjaw or something. <laughs> Any of those uh, conditions that involve some level of paralysis are always the ones that really kind of creep me out <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but anyways, um, this is another song that is uh, based on some music from Suikoden. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, two two uh, melodies used once again. Uh, we have The Light Moaning in the Darkness, which was in Suikoden 5. And I'm glad you said Suikoden right, by the way, because a lot of people say Suikoden, <laughs> which is That's understandable right. if you look at it. Um, mm. And then we have the theme of sadness from the original Suikoden. Uh, so this one was kind of a challenge because it the, the first melody we used from Suikoden 5 is already based around a piano. So we were mm. kind of conflicted how we were going to change it and the ones where it's already based on piano to start with always seem to be the most challenging to change. Now, you build so much around the piano, you'd think that uh, kind of a, a straight transposition of a piano piece wouldn't be uh, kind of immensely troublesome for the track. you think that would almost make it easier, but is that not the way that you typically like to work? It's not the way I like to work because I don't like to do a straight cover of the song. So I don't really see the, mm, po- right. the point of doing that. You know, that, that version of the song already exists, so... I like, mm-hmm. I like for Codename to put their own spin on things. And so when you have an already written piano part, uh, you can't necessarily just take a different aspect of the song and turn it into piano because it's already there. So it's a little bit challenging in that regard. So how much uh, do you actually change the music that you're covering and how much do you like to um, make sure that it maintains that original kind of heart and soul of the original piece? Uh, Angela, you want to take that one? Um, I think we change... A lot. <laughs> um, if you'll listen to, for example, the the track that we covered from um, uh, it's from a Killer Seven, Killer Seven. Yes. Um, that is a, a dance song. <laughs> I don't think it was ever meant to be on piano, um, but I think the more of more of a challenge we have, the more fun we have making it, um, and the more freedom we have to change it. And definitely, the simpler the melody is, the more freedom you have to create around that melody. So I really. Uh, enjoy the songs that don't have a lot to them, but have a nice little basic melody. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so we've heard, uh, or we will hear this the second track, which is a uh, combination of two tracks, just like the first one that we heard coming into it. Um, but do you also like to throw in little, uh, you know, because your, your characters, um, two characters are kind of the arbiters of all video game music from all time do you like to throw in little nods and little you know riffs and and um and stuff from other video game pieces just as uh, easter eggs or do you like to typically stay within the realm of the games that you're covering Uh, i think we typically stay within the realm to be honest uh we have tried that in the past you know this was obviously a very troubled album if you didn't know we started this project back in 2014 so Mm -hmm. Um, different members left and different things happened there but at that time early on we were trying that we were trying to fuse different games together but I didn't really necessarily like doing that I like more sticking within the same universe that the game takes place in so keeping Mm -hmm. the same melodies together 
at least in the same series, okay. uh, is what I prefer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I do want to add that in in this song, Sacrifice, um, towards the end of the song, um, you wanted to add some sort of percussion uh, in it. Um, I think you described it as Terminator there. <laughs> so it's a little bit of Terminator in there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this is Sacrifice by Codename Trigger Thumb.
So, we are coming back. We'll have some more Suikoden End music coming up before too long. But before we get to that, I'm kind of curious about how did you all meet one another? How did you come to create a band in the first place? Well, where do we begin? <laughs> Once upon a time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it was, we started out with a, a band that was straight video game covers, nothing fancy. We were all kind of still... In the early phases of our musicianship. Actually, if I recall, we were sitting around one day, hanging out with a friend of ours, and um, I said how cool it would be to cover a song from Donkey Kong Country, uh, Gangplank Galleon. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's a good one. Everyone happened to agree, and we ended up fooling around with guitars and a keyboard that I had from when I was a child, and ended up with a cover of Gangplank Galleon at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly, it was Zio that actually recorded even those original demos. Um, so from there, we kind of just kept messing around and messing around with different covers. And we had a previous band when we were first starting out called Vanished Doom. Uh, but things didn't necessarily work out. Don't have to get into the politics of that so much. But uh, sure. from the ashes of that rose, most of the members from it still, I believe. Um, you and I. <laughs> yeah. And we had Chris, too, on board with Codename. He is an original right. member of Codename as well. Um, and so, yeah, we've ju- I've just been, I've always been a huge fan of game music, but I didn't realize how many bands were actually doing this until I got involved and more part of the system and more on seeing how the inside workings of it was. You realize that there's a whole magfest and there's a whole community of people doing this. And you thought, yeah, you, you, yeah. thought you were being incredibly original, but you really weren't <laughs> at all. Well, there's plenty of room for this kind of thing in the world. Joe and Angela have the same last name. Are you siblings or partners? How is that? Or coincidence? <laughs> we are actually a married couple. So, oh, cool, cool. Uh, a risky proposition when you're in a band, perhaps, that to get relationships <laughs> involved. But yeah, for us, yeah. it seemed to have worked out quite well. Cool. And then, Zio, how did you meet everybody in the, in the first place? Yeah, I met Joe, uh, what is it, about eight years ago, more or less? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, online and uh, we connected through a mutual interest of uh, video game music. I had uh, posted a profile online that um, was looking for um, uh, some some uh, musicians who are also interested in doing game music because I had I was interested in um, performing at the time. So we met Joe that way. He connected with me um, uh, through uh, email. And uh, we've we've just connected ever since. Um, and like you said earlier, we we started a band called uh, Vanish Doom. Um, didn't get too far, but what we had we had a lot of fun back then. Yeah, it was it was very um, uh, in our early stages of um, you know doing these kinds of things. But uh, we we really enjoyed our time there. But uh, uh, over the years, we've uh, just connected over. Um, uh, we we uh, we live a an hour apart, so we we don't get together very often. And there was a period of time when Joe and Angela lived uh, uh, much further away, so uh, we haven't talked too much for a few years. But uh, uh, we recently got reconnected, um, you know, late last year uh, with the interest of uh, connecting for this project. Which yeah, I'm, finishing off know, that album. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, it's it's amazing. Um, uh, listening to, we were joking about, we were joking about this the other day that we were listening to some of our old stuff. 
uh, you know, be, being very new at this and then producing um, this latest album. And we felt that we've uh, came a long way since, since then. So much that we're almost embarrassed to say, let's listen to our old stuff. <laughs> it's quite funny. I understand that. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to listen to another piece from Suikoden here. Who would like to introduce Eternal Empire? Sure, this was another pick from me. Uh, as you can probably gather at this point, I'm a huge Suikoden fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I plan to one day get all 108 stars tattooed on my back. Their names anyway. That is uh, quite ambitious. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not really going to do that. But, well... Uh, you couldn't have been a fan of like Banjo Kazooie or something with like a manageable costume. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, it's a great RPG that everybody should play, and it's a phenomenal soundtrack. Mm. And you'll hear this kind of in the latest Codename soundtrack how orchestral it is and all the different strings and stuff. A lot of that actually is influenced from games like Suikoden, which use great orchestral uh, strings and different things like that that I enjoy. Now, Suikoden would have been before they were recording live samples, right? Or or did they use live orchestras for that game on the PS1? Uh, no, this was not live as far as I can tell, at least. Cool. And uh, do you typically use uh, live strings or um, what would the term be? Synthetic? That's not correct. <laughs> Synthetic. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we, we use string libraries over here. Um, I don't think we have real access to uh, live stream players at the moment um mm-hmm. but uh, you know we, anybody. we do our best with <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, we're we do our best with the string libraries that we have here and we blend them together with um a bunch of other effects together so. yeah certainly the kind of capacities that we have to create real like realistic sounding music is uh, pretty amazing oh yeah even uh, actually our drums are not even a real drummer they're actually oh, really? done through midi <laughs> so, which is really fascinating to me how realistic you can make a drum set sound now so uh is there anything about this particular track from suikoden that uh stands out to you just that it's very rousing it's very proud and it's very regal it's fitting for something called eternal empire from suikoden <laughs>
have some Suikoden music there. We are going to be moving forward into some more Codename Trigger Thumb music. Uh, but first, I'm curious about uh, Angela. You said that uh, you're kind of the, or at least a lot of these mixes are built around the uh, keyboard work that, that you do. It, it starts as a keyboard cover, and then it kind of morphs into what it ends up becoming with the more complex instrumentation. Uh, do you feel like um, like you are kind of the one who sets the the pace for the band? Uh, would you describe yourself as being a band leader, or do you just like making these piano arrangements? Um, certainly not the band leader. I would definitely say that's Joe's role. He's kind of the mm-hmm. mastermind behind this whole story, and <laughs> um, I just really liked Donkey Kong Country, and we wanted to play some music originally. <laughs> but um, yeah, we definitely start on the keyboard for, I think, all except one of these tracks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we kind of just come up with a basic melody from the original and uh, find a way to tie another song together at times and then record what we come up with and Joe adds some bass and we kind of build from there. But hmm. uh, definitely not a band leader, but a melody maker. Will. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like these are um, very important roles in any band. There needs to be a mastermind and somebody who really likes Donkey Kong Country. Yes, indeed. Uh, pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, so what is your musical background? How long have you been playing uh, pianos and keyboards and stuff? I wouldn't even go so far as to say I play piano. I just kind of, I dabble. Um, I originally played flute for most of my, hmm, my okay. childhood into high school. Um, and then when I was in high school, I decided I wanted to play an instrument that more people wanted to, you know, hear <laughs> on an album. Uh-huh. Um, sure. I wanted to contribute to some projects. I started. And so you picked up the accordion. So I picked up the accordion and, uh, yeah, no. Um, so my neighbor taught me how to play piano or the very basics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, taught myself how to play these songs I thought were cool in high school, which looking back, not so cool. Uh, <laughs> piano Man by Billy Joel, anyone? Um, but oh, it has a fun piano part. There's nothing yeah, wrong with that. <laughs> um, but then kind of put it aside for a while and until mm. we kind of had the idea that covering songs from games we love would be a good time. Um, and it, it's all, it was all downhill from there. Uh, so now, are you the one who's uh, kind of in charge of writing the arrangements? Do you have a history with uh, more kind of music theory and stuff like that? Uh, a very basic understanding of music theory. Um, hmm. Since Joe and I obviously live together, um, we hmm. tend to kind of do a cooperative uh, effort there. So... Uh, I'll say, hey, I think this would sound really cool if we did this. And he'll say, uh, it needs more choirs and uh, <laughs> uh, some sound <laughs> effects. And we come to a, a compromise most of the time. Very cool. I like that. A nice collaborative effort. Uh, Zio, do you ever get any help from your wife, the musical mastermind over there? You would think that uh, being musicians with both of us, uh, we would work together a lot. But actually, um, we have uh, very different we're on different ends of the musical spectrum 
Mm, okay. um, she, yeah, she, um, she's more of the performer of, uh, of the two of us. Um, mm-hmm. she has three degrees in music. I have none. I have a computer <laughs> science degree, <laughs> um, but well, it's but, becoming um, increasingly more and more relevant in the musical spectrum these days. It, it, it is. It definitely is. And it's, it makes me more comfortable, um, as I, I am more involved in, uh, less performing, but more, um, on the mixing end, mm. Um, sitting on a desk on a computer and and arranging things just like I would arrange code, mm, not yeah. this code, but actual programming code. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, for uh, I mean my my musical background, I I've been playing guitar um, since I was in high school, around uh, fourteen fifteen years old. Did you have lessons, or was it just something that you picked up yourself? In eighth grade, uh, as we were picking classes for high school, um, there there was a new class that was introduced in high school uh, called Guitar Lab. And this in this upcoming year, um, the, as my, my freshman year, that would be the first time they're offering they were offering the class in high school. I took that chance, I took the opportunity, and uh, decided to enroll in that class in high school, and uh, loved ever since. Um, so I learned uh, guitar in my freshman year of high school, and I've never really stopped. Um, and uh, I've played. Uh, uh, over the years, um, uh, mostly at a uh, church group um, for about eight, eight to ten years, mm-hmm. um, I uh, put my guitar playing on hold for a little bit in favor of uh, um, mixing and, and ranging on the computer. So it allows mm-hmm. me to um, play around with more sounds than than just what the guitar offers. Yeah. Uh, so that has been my. Um, more recent interest. Um, so I haven't touched my guitar, uh, too, too much. Um, I am mostly on, on logic nowadays, um, uh, playing with sounds, combining them, merging them together, cutting things up and just experimenting, uh, with different libraries, different synths, different sounds, uh, is in that's, that's become more of my life now, mm. uh, less on the performing end, but, uh, more on the, the mixing end. <laughs> I've always better wanted to understand how people are going to create music through the computers. I have a, a basic, basic understanding, but every time that I try things out, it, it, it never sounds anywhere near the quality that I hear it in my mind. Uh, so I always have a lot of respect for the people who can. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and Joe, how far back do you go with your own uh, musical training? Yeah, so it was pretty early on. I knew I was going to play music, but I wasn't really necessarily too interested in all of the training aspects or the theory of it. Um, I was convinced at a very early age that I was going to be a rock star and I was going mm, to sure. tour the world <laughs> and I didn't need any of that and I could just teach myself how to play. Uh, and I think that naivety has kind of come back to haunt me now, but at the same time, <laughs> it's inspired me now because I'm learning more, especially working with Zio and seeing his uh, the method to his madness. And he's gotten me into music theory recently, which I'm taking courses online. Hmm. Uh, so I've been playing for a very, very long time. I have experienced that, but I regret that I never pushed myself to the next level and I never tried to learn how to read music and do more things like that. So that's something I'm very excited about. And listening to this album, it's really inspirational as well, because it's like, wow, how did we really create this? Yet I don't (laughs) understand theory all that much. And I imagine if I understood theory, we could create something even better. 
So that's really exciting to me that you can get better at something that it, like I told Zio, I'm not as smart as I think I am at the end of this project. That's kind of what I learned. <laughs> I thought I was a lot smarter than I really am and I can keep learning more and I'm, I'm really excited about that. It got me really energized to get onto the next CD, even though I'm not super eager after three and a half years uh, to jump right back into things. It really motivated mm -hmm. me to want to learn more and uh, explore yeah, new opportunities. Uh, well, those who don't have the knowledge and the training of a music theory and everything can accomplish what they want to through uh, immense amounts of patience. It comes so much easier once you really can uh, read the music and, and put the things down on page and everything. But, uh, you know, it, it's not a, uh, there should be no barrier for anyone who just wants to really buckle down and, and try so that's cool. Yeah. And you've managed to create a, a fairly complex album, actually, with um, I, I would have never guessed that uh, you didn't have that kind of formal training, so to speak. Yeah. Well, the important thing to know, too, is it wasn't just me, actually. I was just a very small mm, right. cog in right. the process. You know, <laughs> I had some out there ideas and I played bass, which is what I've done most of my life. And I mm -hmm. helped with arrangement, which is my real passion, actually. It's not even the playing. It's mm -hmm. the arranging of music. Um, and yeah, it, it took the three of us coming together from very different backgrounds to make something outstanding. I think outstanding. I think at the end of the day, we didn't care about it being a technical masterpiece so much as being <laughs> sure. something that we loved that, you know, we could be proud of that we created. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this next track, this is called Birth of a Legend. Uh, do you want to take us through what this particular track is? Sure. This track is actually the first one we began to work on when we rebooted the album. Um, it's from Final Fantasy VII, so you'll notice a lot of our tracks are not necessarily, as I'd call, quote, mainstream video game music, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. They're a little bit odd selections, games that people aren't necessarily as familiar with. Hipster game, too. Yeah, sure. Sure, <laughs> okay, let's go with sure. that. This is, probably the, this is probably the only song I, I, I knew beforehand. And the reason mm -hmm. that I... I take that approach is because there's so much of the other stuff already out there and there's so many covers and there's a whole world of right. video game music out there that people don't know and games that they never played and I really want to work hard to uh, expose those and give them recognition because there's a lot of great compositions that we don't necessarily even know exist and I think Zio found mm -hmm. that out here and he was really surprised that we were able to turn them into full-fledged songs the way we did. Uh, but this one is uh, not even the most familiar one from Final Fantasy VII, but it is at least from a soundtrack that is beloved. Uh, it's Can You Hear the Cry of the Planet is the name of the original song. And uh, our version is a bit more rocked out compared to the original. And now Nobuo Uematsu has a history of uh, very, you know, upbeat, rockish type music as well. So maybe he kind of buried that potential in there and you just unearthed it. Uh, the Final Fantasy series soundtracks are um, beloved by many. Uh, it, it's uh, Nobuo Uematsu is a legendary composer who we have heard uh, quite a bit from on this particular show. Uh, so I'm eager to hear the, uh, the way that you take this track and make it your own. This is Codename Trigger Thumb with Birth of a Legend.
right, so this next track that we're going to be getting into is a brand new one. And I'm kind of curious to know, you know, now that we are uh, um, going to be hopping into something that is a 2017 game, uh, what are you all playing these days as far as games go? Near. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, I'm actually a huge fan. I think we all are big fans of the original Nier. Uh, so me and Angela recently absolutely. picked up uh, Nier Automata, so we've been playing that. Mm-hmm. And, so good. Uh, it's an absolutely fantastic game. Uh, but the thing that got me excited, I didn't realize this right off the bat, is that it appears to be at least many of the same people that did the soundtrack from the first game. Uh, and it's mm. it's absolutely masterful. If you ever heard the original Nier soundtrack, it's exceptional. But this one is even, yeah, certainly. Is even better, in my opinion. Uh, so that's yeah. what we've been playing currently. Mm. We just finished uh, Final Fantasy. Fifteen, right? Yep. And uh, finished the most recent Resident Evil, Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? And we've also been playing... I-, I can just hear the enthusiasm in your voice for <laughs> uh, how, uh, how big of an impact these games you know, made on you. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil and all games of the horror genre just tend mm-hmm. to put me to sleep. I don't know what it is about them. I think it's the soundtracks and just like the long periods of time where there's nothing going on. But I've been known... They're paced quite a bit slower. Yeah, yeah. And been... she doesn't scare very easily. No, I've been known to fall asleep <laughs> while playing uh, various horror games, so... Wow. Well, unfortunately, I have to say that the uh, you probably don't have a future in YouTubing then. No, because not uh, for those. They, they, t- they tend to like the exact opposite reactions. <laughs> but um, that that is an impressively iron constitution you must have there. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this uh, this next track is from Near Automata. Uh, or uh, automata, or however you know. There's I've heard it both ways, ways. So honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? We'll go with it either way. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where does this fall in the game? I, I've played the first Nier. I haven't played the sequel yet, although I am I am definitely eager to. A Nier sequel that is made by Platinum is kind of like a dream come true to me. So I'm very excited to jump into it. But uh, if you could contextualize this song for the listeners. So very early on, I would say we're about five hours in, mm. which is probably early for a game like this. Um, mm-hmm. You just randomly stumble across this weird amusement park out of nowhere. Almost. I don't think it's random. But... It, it was very odd to me. And all of a sudden you're looking at a place that just looks like Disney World. And, but, but with robots. But with, yeah, the, without spoiling too much, the premise of the game is the robots have remained on Earth while the humans have fled to the moon. And the mm-hmm. robots are now adapting to what the humans used to do. So the robots are now at this amusement park singing and dancing and having a good time. And all while that's happening, you have this amazing uh, vocal track playing, which is called Amusement Park, <laughs> originally enough. Cool. And does this uh, kind of hark back to some of the vocal arrangements from the first game? Or would you say that the vocal arrangements in this game are distinct enough to have, kind of have their own uh, personality and flavor? It definitely brings me right back to the original soundtrack. I think hmm. if you listen to them in succession, you would definitely know they were from the same um, same makers. I, I loved the first soundtrack, so I was so excited when yeah, definitely. we started playing um, this game that it, they even brought some of the original themes from uh, the first game into the second soundtrack. So it's 
very exciting. It is a real masterpiece, and I it's I don't buy a lot of soundtracks necessarily. We have Spotify, different ways to mm-hmm. listen now, but this is one I'm actually going to seek out and maybe even buy a physical copy of, which I don't do mm. as often as I probably should anymore. Yeah, so this is Amusement Park Vocal from Near Automata by the Bizarre Yoko Taro.
right, we're going into, we have a track from Bastion here. This is a wonderful, lovely soundtrack and something that uh, also kind of mixes some themes of religion and sci-fi and uh, video game music, appropriately enough. Uh, is this uh, some a particular game that inspired the work of, of your band, or is it just something that you enjoy listening to? Well, I love this game and soundtrack. Uh, Joe's not such a fan of either, I don't believe, but <laughs> that's not, okay. No. Strangely uh, enough. I get to have my own opinions sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's great. I thought Transistor was also great. Um, mm, yeah. So, What's the next one they have coming? Pyre, I believe it's called? Yeah. Pyre. Yeah. That looks fantastic, though. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a, I wasn't a huge fan of Transistor either, but... Uh, Higher looks interesting to me. But even if you don't like the games, the soundtracks are phenomenal. Yeah, there were definitely some soundtracks that I listened to because they remind me of playing the game. And there were some soundtracks I listened to because they're just like, you know, music that anyone can appreciate. And Bastion and and Transistor as well are both uh, just like excellent on the level of you know just music in general. Um, really love this. Uh, this this is the track that plays over the credits is that correct I, I know that the theme is kind of interwoven into the game uh here and there no this one is the end credits version of it it is uh yeah it's a combination of two of the themes from the game um which both of which i loved so i figured if i couldn't share more than one track from the same game i could, <laughs> could share this one so both of them playing at once uh, it, it does get really interesting about halfway through where the uh the the vocalists are both singing uh, different melodies and different words and things. And you can kind of, you know, your ears can hop between them, uh, but they, they come together to create a really cool counter melody. Um, it's a, a quite nice and haunting song. I'm sure that uh, we're going to enjoy listening to that. This is setting sail coming home from Bastion. <laughs>
was a piece composed by the legendary Darren Korb. Always appreciate his contributions onto the show as well. Uh, we have a Xenoblade Chronicles track coming up. I believe that I've read this somewhere before, but I keep on forgetting how closely associated is this with Xenogears. Is that technically a part of the same continuity, or are they completely separate? I believe no. I believe they are completely separate, but I could be mm. wrong on that. I know Xeno Saga is kind of in the same universe. You know, it's weird at the... Uh, Oh, that's right. That's a separate thing, isn't yes, it? Yes. Oh, so you have Zeno, all these names. You know, Blade, <laughs> Saga, and Gears. So, uh, yeah. as far as I know, Xenoblade is its own thing. It could take. It could be like kind of the near Drakengard thing, where it's very loosely based. Mm, okay. Same universe. Uh, maybe Zio, do you know more about that? Uh, I've never played uh, Xeno Gears, but um, as far as I know, I don't think they're related. But like you said, it, <laughs> there might be that two percent chance that they're very closely related um but um i don't i don't really think so but the xenoblade and xeno saga are connected is that right no xeno saga is very loosely connected to xeno gears okay xenoblade as All far right. as i know is a standalone <laughs> yeah exactly you see the thing is xeno gears was actually a writ- written to be a much bigger story you'll see at the end of the game it says this was mm. episode five but of course they ran out of budget and they never actually made those uh, and then mm. much later on, Xeno Saga came out. It was very sci-fi based. Another kind of influence of Codename Trigger Thumb. Um, okay. Uh, so, Zio, I believe this one is your pick. Yeah, I, d- I do love this track. It's uh, It has a lot of the uh, typical instruments that I like to use. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find some similarities between this track and a lot of the Codename um, tracks where we incorporate... Uh, the keyboard, strings, guitars, and drums, um, mm-hmm. and in the way it's structured, it's uh, it's not one instrument that dominates the song. I mean, mm, there's right. a lot of string-heavy portions, but uh, you know, one section is strings uh, are very prominent, and the next part, it's there's a, a keyboard, a layered keyboard. Um, the guitars come in later um, as a prominent instrument. And they ended with uh, more of a string slash vocals sort of blend there, um, but uh, you 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 hear it here where there's a lot of unusual chord progressions and some chromatic steps and things like that. Um, it's not uh, uh, it's it's not a very a normal type of progression. Um, those are the things I like. It, I, I typically like having things that are either unusual in terms of chord progressions or time signatures and things like mm. that. And uh, I think uh, while this is a very short song, it's only two minutes and 25 seconds, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it has a lot of those elements that I like as a composer. So it's it's very inspirational to, to how I produce. <laughs> this is Tragic Decision from Xenoblade Chronicles.
been a little while since we've heard from uh, the codename Trigger Thumb some of their music. We've listened to some video game pieces from uh, a wide variety of RPGs mostly. (laughs) Uh, But we are going to be hopping into one of their tracks for the last track on the show. But before we do that, remember you can venture over to our forum at CanaanRinse.com slash forum. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at CanaanRinse. Or you can find our Facebook page as well, uh, where you can request music uh, for us to play, and we will play those in each of the upcoming um, normal episodes anyways. Uh, This one was an exception because we have uh, some guests with us, uh, and then we have another uh, interview with the composer. I'm not going to spoil who it is just yet, but it's somebody to get excited about in Sound of Play 91. And then immediately preceding that... Uh, Leon is actually leading us in a a long kind of two-hour exploration of the year 1990 in video game music. I'm not exactly sure what he has up his sleeve for that one, but that is Sound of Play 90, and that is uh, kind of standing in for our series specials that we like to do. We like to do something special on every 10th episode, so look forward to that. We've got a big, fun, very diverse show in Uh, Sound of Play 90 with a little bit more music than we're typically used to hearing. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that myself. Um, But before uh, we sign off here, I would like to thank Codename Trigger Thumb for coming on the show. And I'd like to ask if there's anything that you want to direct our listeners' attention to. So, well, first off, Ryan, I just wanted to say I think it's very important work what you do on Sound of Play and Cadent Rinse. Back a few years ago when I discovered Cane and Rinse, it really got me through some tough times. Uh, and, uh, you know, oh, I was thrilled to hear that. Yeah, I, I was actually severely depressed for a very long time. And I started listening to your podcast and it brought back a lot of those memories of old games I had played and a lot of joy. So I really appreciate the work you do. I just wanted to say that first and foremost. It makes you feel like, oh, there are people here whose lives are being wasted in even worse ways than my <laughs> exactly but <laughs> i sit around talking about video games all days and many of them are in their 40s <laughs> yeah i'm getting closer to 40 but anyways um <laughs> i do appreciate i did want to say i i did i did want to say that before i went and plugged all of my stuff on your show so codename triggerthumb.bandcamp.com is where you can pre-order right now the power to destroy everything mm-hmm. uh it is as low as one dollar so that's not, that's not a huge investment. If you think it sucks and you want your dollar back, you can just email me and I'll get your dollar back and it won't cost me the bank. Um, most people that have pre-ordered already have gone above the dollar threshold, which is mm-hmm. always amazing and awesome. Uh, but you're not obligated to do that. We are really more focused on just getting people to listen. That's our goal. We want to get, mm, get right. people as many people to hear it as we can. That's the ultimate goal and to get game music and game composers the recognition they deserve. That's what Codename's really always been about. Uh, hmm. So codename triggerthumb.bandcamp.com is where you can pre-order the album. And you can listen to our first album if you want to hear how bad we are before we became <laughs> a, a pretty good band. <laughs> and also, uh, and that one is free, correct? Uh, yes, it's pay what you want, but it, it is free to listen to and download if you choose. I'm sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't say free. You are correct. That is pay what you want. That is a very different intonation. <laughs> um, oh, if, no. <laughs> if anyone's ever interested, we're also on Twitch uh, from time to time, hmm. so if if you ever want to watch me play Donkey Kong Country or, yeah. or any Where of the, uh, the great classic Super Nintendo games that we have on mm-hmm. hand, um, 
Is it twitch.tv slash codename trigger thumb? Yep. And um, also, we have the Facebook, which is our main source of communication with with fans. Uh, it's facebook.com slash codename trigger thumb. We do a lot of contests on there where I'll actually delve into my classic collection. We'll play melodies and uh, people will have to guess what the melody is and you can win a oh, prize cool. actually. So we do <laughs> cool little contests just to kind of interact with fans and show our appreciation for them taking yeah, the time to listen yeah. to our music. And uh, sorry, what is the streaming schedule typically or do you just kind of go on whenever you have the time? Uh, schedule. <laughs> yeah, we're, t- we're trying to get more on schedule for every Saturday evening uh, between hmm. the eight and midnight hours. Um, we're not super successful at that yet uh, yeah we have a, a small child so uh schedules are a difficult <laughs> yeah, that thing would do it. yeah, yeah um, eastern time <laughs> but yes uh, usually sometime between eight to nine um on saturdays and saturdays p.m um until we decide we're too tired to carry on yeah <laughs> that's cool we've had um we've had the super soul bros on the show before and um they they have uh, had a lot of fun streaming their band as well. And so uh, it's apparently Twitch is turning into a really nice kind of music platform as well. So it's neat to see these new developments and people finding new ways to use these uh, different technologies and, and gaining their audience in ways that even just a few years back were not possible. Yeah, the world's changing, isn't it? It's funny that now we have people mm. that want to watch you play video games instead of go and play video games. It's always fascinating to me. Maybe someday they can see our composition process. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should keep that hidden for a while. <laughs> they may also get you banned on Twitch. They have strict rules about things. So. If it's anything like my composition p- uh, process, it's a lot of like writing three notes at a time, getting frustrated, and then falling asleep. Or getting a snack. Yep. Yep, that's right. Lots of snacks. <laughs> always essential. Uh, so I'm I'm a bit curious, uh, kind of walking out of the realm of video game music. What are your uh, kind of grander musical influences as far as um, non-game stuff goes? I think they're all very different. So Joe, do you want to start? Sure. I actually started out, if you can believe it, um, into a lot of what my mom listened to. She was big into uh, Neil Diamond and that era of music. Hmm. So I loved that stuff. Uh, we're coming to America. You know, I was all about those big anthems and those big ballads when I was a kid. And then as I uh-huh. entered high school and everyone was like pissed off at each other and angry at the world, um, we got into hardcore music. So I originally started out mm. playing in hardcore bands and I was really into uh, screaming and all of that stuff, which seems insane to me now because I don't really listen to that at all. General angst. And then as I got older, I grew a great appreciation for classical. So that's really what I enjoy now. Mm. And, but to be honest with you, 90... 90 to 99% of my music listening is now from games, which is kind of insane to some people, but that's the music I enjoy. <laughs> oh, there's certainly a lot of it in all sorts of different styles. So yeah, that's a, it's a good thing. That's quite a bit of our listening here as well on the show. <laughs> and what about the rest of you? Um, I'm pretty boring. Um, like normal people music. <laughs> we'll be the judge of that. Um, my- I guess biggest influences when I was growing up, I loved Elliot Smith, uh, Jeff Buckley, um, mm-hmm. getting older, really into the national. Um, I loved Radiohead before they, you know, stopped playing instruments and started mm. <laughs> using computers more. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty boring. Um, 
65 Days of Static, who did the soundtrack for No Man's Sky. I actually mm, loved right. them and, and did love that soundtrack. Uh, some post-rock I was into in college. Mogwai and stuff like yeah, that. Mogwai, yeah. yeah, yeah that we do enjoy feel. those things. Um, cool. Other than that, if we're talking game soundtracks, things like the Nier soundtrack, um, I find very inspirational and definitely contribute to the way that I choose to cover songs. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> cool. And what about you, Zio? Yeah, um, I listen to a wide range of things. Um, I started, you know, when I started listening to music and radio, uh, my my influences were were rock bands like Smashing Pumpkins, mm-hmm. um, 311, bands like that. Uh, that was back then when I play guitar and that was my primary instrument. Um, but uh, my, my musical tastes have changed over the years. I've always listened to game soundtracks, um, but... On, in terms of non-gaming uh, music, um, Enigma was is a very big influence. Um, just the idea that uh, uh, a person can be on his computer and just create music um, on his desk, kind of like what I do now, um, just blending sounds together. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's just amazing to me. Um, so I, I love I love the, the music of Enigma. Um, I love uh, Lindsey Sterling. Again, it's that combining the uh, the strings in in her case, the violin, uh, with with um, electronics, and it's just uh, in a, you know playing in a band setting on a live concert. It's very inspirational. Uh, lately, I've been getting into more classical music, uh, such as Bach, and uh, wanted to get more of that um, element in my music mm-hmm. um, thrown in there. So um, it's. It's important to me that uh, that um, I combined, you know, in my in my personal taste, I, I combined a lot of extremes. Uh, you know, in in one song, I, I might <laughs> you know throw in uh, some heavy heavy guitar riffs, and then the next thing you might just have a a, a string quartet. You know, that that's the kind of thing I like to uh, to to move forward with it's that combination of multiple genres together into one 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 piece mm, yeah, yeah yeah very nice well we have one uh codename trigger thumb track left this was mentioned earlier in the show this is called red devil and uh from what i understand this is based on a piece from killer seven uh who's uh who's the killer seven lover in the group here that would be me i'm actually a pseudo 51 lover in general i pretty much like (laughs) everything he does Uh i've listened to all your podcasts about him and all of your varying (laughs) opinions on his some of his decisions which are a little risque perhaps such an interesting guy Uh, but he's a (laughs) fascinating fascinating man Uh, if you ever look Mm. on youtube there's a video on there i can't remember the title of it right now but it just it basically follows him around for a few days, and he's just really interesting. He goes to batting cages. And, is that the one where he goes um, to that bar that's also like a record store? Yes, he store. goes to a record store, which is also a bar. Huh. And he just, he, he's very which, normal, but he's very quiet and very odd and has a lot of interesting ideas at the same time. So Isn't that I, a record I'm, store bar in one of his games? Yes, he actually, in No More Heroes, one of the bars he hangs out. Uh, at commonly is in No More Heroes. But anyways, I've, I've just always really appreciated artists that are willing to take risks and try different things, even if they fail sometimes. So that's what I like about yeah. Pseudo 51. Yeah, yeah. You certainly uh, uh, can't 
uh, fault him for not trying new things. He's all over the place in his games. And again, politics. Killer7 is hugely political, and I enjoy that mm. kind of stuff. Um, if you can make sense of that story, you're doing something, though. So. That's right. So now, what is it about the soundtrack in particular um, that really stood out to you? Actually, most of the soundtrack is very abstract and just kind of noises and weird things. But mm. this one particular track, uh, Rave On, is a dance song. Uh, you'll find this track playing in between boss areas, right before you're about to fight a boss. You'll hear this mm-hmm. weird, trancey, dance, techno-y song. Yeah. Um, and I, I've always just found it super catchy. And we were kind of, this was, I think, the last one we recorded, right? Or second to last one we recorded? Yeah, I think we, al- last. we always yeah. wanted to cover a dance-type song, but never had the right way to do it. And this time we were like, darn it. Let's just figure out <laughs> a way to do it. We're going to make this work. And when I told Zio there was going to be, like, techno beats in the song, he was like, what? We, we probably shouldn't do this. This is a terrible so, idea. <laughs> and then the song came together, and I think it ended up being most of our, if not our favorite, our, close to our second favorite track on the CDs. This is one of my favorites, definitely. Uh, and this is actually a debut uh, exclusive. This one has not been played anywhere else yet. Oh, so. excellent. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so the transition from a dance song to uh, something that is more in the uh, your style, which is kind of like half classical, half kind of post-rocky, uh, somewhere in that realm, uh, that, that's quite a leap. What was it like trying to adapt something for such a different genre of music? actually came very naturally. We just took the main melody, transposed it to the piano, and then mm. handed it off to Zio, and he just went to work. He didn't really... Uh, one of his ways of working is he doesn't really listen to the original, so he can be an artist and create over it without being influenced by the original piece. So mm. he just kind of did his own thing over it. He did these cool strings, uh, and I kind of changed up the bass line to give it a different feel. And then it's very remiss of me to not mention that stemmage. Uh, from Metroid Metal it appears multiple times on our CD uh, on the guitar. Mm. Uh, so I apologize for not mentioning him sooner. But uh, he came onto the track and just added a whole other layer to that. And uh, He was a huge part of our CD and changing the way that the songs ultimately ended up sounding because it was a lot of us fiddling around and not really being fantastic guitar players but wanting fantastic mm. results. So we were able to get a hold <laughs> of him through our, uh, our the gentleman that was doing our mastering Viking guitar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, um, but he's pretty well known in the VGM scene and happened to be friends with Stemage of Metroid Metal, who signed on to help us finish up the album and do some guitar work. All right, so a little bit of a Metroid Metal in this one. That's a, another band. I don't know if we've featured any of their stuff here before, but if we have not, that has been a gross oversight on our part because they have been around for forever almost. I remember their music kind of coming up on what I refer to as the old internet days. <laughs> oh, yeah, they've but, been around, uh, I want to say, over 10 years now. Yeah, One of, yeah, one of the originals like, around with the mini bosses for sure. Yeah, and uh, Power Glove and all the old, old folk. <laughs> uh, but that's cool, though. Um, always fun to get to work with people that you'd um, have admired up to that point and, and know their work of. Uh, But anyways, this is uh, Codename Trigger Thumb performing Red Devil, an exclusive for Sound of Play as of right now. Uh, Well, thank you for joining us, and we will see you all next week. (laughs) 